Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe. So there's a couple things on my mind this afternoon I would like to express and actually try and work my way through them with all of you out there. So this is, this is the thinking cap day, right? We're going to put our thinking caps on and we're going to think uh, some information. We're going to try and work through a problem or a concern that's out there. And, and this, is, this is where we begin. We are, we are in, a, in a place in our country right now, right, where everybody, we're trying to figure out who we are. Who we are as individuals, who we are as people, who we are as a nation. I mean, you look at the questions that come up. We're a good nation. We're a bad nation. You're a good person. You're a bad person. I'm a this. You're a that. We have to have different pronouns. We have to have different thoughts. We have to be more accepting, less accepting. We should be, uh, we should be hating of these people, but loving of these people. It's a unique, uh, it's a unique world that we're in. You know, our friends on the left talk about tolerance for everything except things they don't believe in or they don't like. Then there's no tolerance whatsoever. Now, I'm going to say the people on the right may have had some of that, but I think when it comes to growth, you know, the growth of understanding a different world, I think people on the right have a better understanding of it because we don't break things down into into make-believe thoughts. We don't make things up. We deal with facts. And the reality is it's about this tolerance. So let's look at tolerance. I would say that we are a more, t- more tolerant people now than we probably ever have been in our history. Why? Because for many people, when you're exposed to different ideas, different people, different lifestyles, different things, and you take a minute to try and learn about those things, to understand what is good, what is bad, what is maybe what I believed or what I was told compared to what something really is. And then you can make a distinction. You can, you can think about it. You can try and figure out, well, were my thoughts and beliefs correct? Or my thoughts and beliefs, were they wrong? And do I need to change them? So when it comes to tolerance, you know, we say here, uh, I have said for a long time, I have, I have my own religious beliefs. They guide me. I have a core. I believe in God. Uh, not everyone does. So when I look at things, I can't say, well, just because Joe Pangaro believes in God doesn't mean everyone has to. But that doesn't mean I don't get to make decisions about my life and have opinions about what I think is good and bad based on my experiences. Just like someone who doesn't believe in God. Don't they get to have opinions about me and what I do, what other religious people do, and how we make decisions? So it's a two-way street for all of this stuff. But it should bring up a conversation. Nobody should be attacking each other unless it's physically dangerous or destructive to someone, right? But we don't really deal in those facts, don't we? Don't we say our friends on the left, they talk tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Now, maybe the world needed to hear that. We should be more tolerant. We should be more tolerant. We should learn about other people. Does, does it make a difference to you, to you personally, if somebody five doors down in your neighborhood lives a different way than you do? No. Unless they come down the street and go to your house and make you want to do something that they want to do. Other than that, it don't matter what somebody down the street does. 
So there's a couple of different ways to break down whether it matters to you or not. And this is my opinion here. It matters to me if it affects me and my family and our abilities to live our lives the way we want to live our lives. Right? That's an important for all of us. No matter what you believe, who you are, whatever side of the aisle on, when you close your front door, what you want to go on in your house is up to you. Nobody next door or down the block or anywhere should have anything to say about what you do there. But when it comes to our country, don't we all have a stake in what goes on in the country? Now, if we decided uh, we don't need a military, the United States doesn't need a military, and we all agreed on that, we say, disband the military, get rid of them, take all that money, and we're going to spend it on, uh, I don't know, uh, breakfast sandwiches for everybody in the country. Every day you'll have a brand new breakfast sandwich. But we don't need the military. We don't need jets and bombers and guns and all these people, you know, doing stuff. How fast do you think our country would be overtaken if we disbanded our military? Well, it would be, be attacked pretty quickly, don't you think? Don't you think there's enemies out there that want to take over America, that want to hurt you and your family? And if they had half a chance, they would. They'd storm right in here and go, hey, guess what? All of this is ours now because you can't fight back. Isn't that what dangerous, negative, hateful people have done throughout human history? Right? The strongest of everyone makes the rules. How come? Because if you don't agree, they'll break you up. They'll hurt you. And therefore, you agree with them or you get busted up and hurt. Unless a bunch of people stand together, a bunch of weak people stand together against the strong man and say, no. No, you're not going to do that. We are going to stand together. Individually, you might be able to beat us all up. But as a group, you cannot beat us all up. And therefore, we will not allow you to do what you're going to do, right? Isn't that kind of how, in general, life has worked across the planet? So, but if we agreed as a people, we don't want this military, we would get taken over pretty quickly, especially if we physically disbanded the military, shut the bases down, sent everybody home, sold off all this horrible weapons of war. We got rid of all that ugly, horrible stuff, right? Sunk the ships, get rid of all the tanks, everything. We'd get taken over pretty quickly. And would our lives be better or would they be worse? Well, it depends on who takes you over, right? Uh, if, if a nice, benevolent country like, uh, I don't know, uh, Sweden took us over, that would be nice. We'd have, uh, you know, nice clocks and we'd, right, right, Swiss clocks and all that stuff and It'd be wonderful. But if somebody took us over like Russia, Putin, or China, there would be gulags, there would be reindoctrination camps, there would be uh, prison for anyone who doesn't think, think the right way, who thinks the, right, the wrong thoughts. Right? Would that be better? No, that wouldn't be better. That would be very, very bad. So one of the things we have to look at is when we say it doesn't matter, is whether it doesn't matter to us personally and if it will hurt us or not, and it doesn't matter to our country if it'll hurt our country or not. So I'm using a big example of the military. Let's take it down one notch. Let's take it down to defund the police. Okay? Personally, me, I come from a law enforcement background, and I saw all the good that law enforcement did. Did I also see the one-offs where some idiot in law enforcement did something horrible or terrible? Yes, I did see those things. And me, like almost every other officer I ever met don't want people like that in law enforcement. And if they do something purposefully bad, purposely, write that word down, purposefully bad, 
then they should be held accountable to it and punished, if whatever that punishment is. Fired, lost their job, go to prison, whatever. If they purposefully did something bad. So we have this movement now, defund the police. Pull back on the money. Give the money to other things. Okay. At its concept, you can say, well, because people think the police are too militarized. The police are too... They're too, uh, they don't care about people. They don't care about citizens. They go in and they'll kill people willy-nilly, and, and it doesn't matter. And in reality, that's not what happens. Look at the statistics. Yes, so all of you in your underwear in the basement taking notes on Lieutenant Joe, go look up the FBI report uh, on statistics about crime and see what's going on out there, really. Not what you want to believe is going on, but what really is going on. You see, the bright light of, of truth is a, is a wonderful thing. If you have an, a belief that you want to stick to, and you, the facts be damned, then you just keep making your stupid arguments. You keep saying stupid things like defund the police. Let's take a look. In many of our communities, and you'd have to say that there, there are left-wing communities, our blue state places, have said, defund the police because the police want to kill minorities. And you say, okay. Um, if the police were just out there willy-nilly killing minorities, I'd be the first one against it because that is wrong. You call the minorities. I say they're American citizens. They're our brothers and sisters. So if they have a belief that the police are going after them, targeting them, and that was true, I would say yes. Then we have to do something about it. We have to remove the people who are doing that. But when you look at the statistics, the truth, you find out, it's not a quite what people want to believe. Uh, the truth is a little bit different. Are there some officers that do the wrong thing? Of course there are. Now, how many times do we have to say that? Because that argument is, is such a weak argument. Well, what about that cop that we saw did this? Yeah, he was bad. She was bad. And they were punished. And that's what should happen. But how about the hundreds of thousands of other officers across our country that work 24-7 every day of the year to protect your family, to answer calls for service in your neighborhood. Is your neighborhood great? You might live in a great neighborhood, and that's great. What if you live in a bad neighborhood and you remove the police? What do you think happens when you remove the only thing standing between people who have an evil heart and want to take from other people, whether that be their lives, their things, or anything else they want to take from them, and you remove the only group of people there who are protecting them from that, the police, and you remove them, what do you think happens? Well, it doesn't take rocket science. If you open your eyes and you come out of the basement once in a while, put on a pair of pants and look out the window and see what really happens when you defund the police and pull the police back, the people that you think you're trying to protect the most are the people who suffer the most because it's not the police that are hurting them, right? It's not. You can come up with individual cases. Of course you can. There are some bad cops out there that do bad things and they should be held to account. But you know what? It's the police that protect millions and millions of our citizens in great neighborhoods, bad neighborhoods, crime-ridden neighborhoods, and crime-less neighborhoods. That's what law enforcement does. So when you run around saying, defund the police, defund the police, and you don't look at the statistics, who's actually killing who? How many people do the police kill 
a year compared to how many people in our neighborhoods kill each other. Oh, God. Lieutenant Joe, you're a hater. You're a hater. Why? Because I call your attention to the truth as opposed to what you want to believe? I get it. It's fun to believe the police are bad. They're out to hate. They hate people. They do this stuff. When they really don't. When they really don't. The police protect more people. A, a million times more people than are ever hurt. And then we have to break that down further. Why would the police? Because the police get together. Let's go get these guys today. We don't like these guys. Let's go beat them up. Let's go shoot them. Let's go kill people. You think the cops really do that? If you do, you're not only ignorant, but you're stupid. No offense. You're ignorant and you're stupid if you think cops really do that. Are there instances where there are bad cops that might do something horrible? Yes, there are. Yes, there are. But they are very far and few between. I'm so sick of that argument. And i got to say, the great Malcolm out loud here from America Out Loud, and he says that all the time. He, you know, oh, not the FBI, not the men and women of the FBI, they're not bad. He hates that because we have to repeat these things over and over for these people on the left who would sit there and go, <gasps> Lieutenant Joe said the cops aren't killing people. Well, yeah, they are. And sometimes they're wrong purposefully. And when they're wrong purposefully, they should be punished and taken off the street and locked up like anybody else who hurt someone purposely. The difference with police work, and I didn't mean to go into this whole tirade on police work, but since it's, it's one of those things, one of my examples, is that police work is not as simple as, uh, you know, getting a cat out of a tree or uh, turning on old lady McGillicuddy's heat because she can't do it. Police work in many of our communities means going after people who are violent, evil, nasty people who would hurt and kill you and your family without thinking two seconds about it. Now, we just saw that uh, evil guy who kidnapped that uh, jogger and killed her, took her life. She's a mother, a wife, a daughter, and for no reason but his own desires, he kidnapped her and murdered her. If that doesn't shock you, scare you, horrify you, and outrage you, then I'm going to tell you right now, find a mirror somewhere. Go find a mirror if you've got to go into the bathroom or up the hallway. Maybe you've got something in your pocket. Look, at, look in the mirror and say, what the hell is wrong with me? That's what you should be saying to yourself. When you defund the police and you pull back the police and you attack the police, the people you think you're trying to help only suffer more. So in our blue states, where we've had these big uh, defund the police movements, hate the cops, cops are bad, cops are racist, cops are this and cops are that, what has happened to the crime in those areas? Has the crime gone down because we've defunded the police? Has crime gone away because criminals are now are not afraid of getting arrested? Has crime gone down because we said, no more bail. Bail is so bad, it's unfair. People are in jail for no reason because cops hate people and they just put people in jail. Has your crime gone down because there's no bail? Because there's no police actively patrolling anymore, progressively looking for crime and trying to prevent it? Has your crime gone up or your crime gone down? Simple question. I'm not making a judgment either way. I'm asking you the question. Has your crime gone up or your crime gone down? And you can draw a direct correlation to that with defund the police, go after the police, demonize the police, hate the police. When you do that, crime goes up. I'll tell you what it is. It goes up, 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 up. 
you're not safe anymore in many of our major cities. You can go jogging, be kidnapped and murdered and dumped in a field. That could be you, your daughter, your girlfriend, your wife, and you're sitting there saying, the police are bad. Go look at the statistics and find out who is actually killing who. Now, the police, I started talking about police work, police work has a tendency sometimes to go sideways. You know why? Because you and me, you and me, have decided we want laws and we don't want to live in a society filled with chaos. We want people to all respect each other and go about their business and don't hurt anybody, don't rape anybody, don't rob anybody. Just go about your business and get along. That's what we all want. And you know, there's some bad people among us and they don't want to believe in that. They want to believe they want to rape you. So therefore, they attack you and they rape you. So we say, no, we're not going to allow that. We are going to investigate that and we're going to hold you accountable for what you did. Well, we can't, you and I can't go out and do that. We need to have, we need to have somebody official that can do that. So we've created laws and then we've created police agencies to enforce the law. That's why they're called law enforcement agencies, right? They're not called rogue band of guys and girls. Go out and do whatever the heck they want to do to people. They're called law enforcement agencies because they enforce the laws that you and me have demanded so that we can live with our families in a civilized, wonderful kind of a life. Now, because we have demanded those laws and we need people to enforce them, we have police. And you defund the police. And what happens when you take the police away? When you shutter the police and you tell them they can't do their job, when you want to arrest them for doing their job, then they stop doing it proactively. Proactive police work is the only thing that protects a community. There is no such thing as back the police off and everybody will be better. Because if you are so stupid, you think that criminals go, well, if the cops aren't going to kill everybody, I'm going to stop committing crime. If you really believe that, go find that mirror again and look in and say, what is wrong with me? That's not how it works. Get rid of the military and evil countries will attack us and take us over. Get rid of law enforcement and evil people will attack us and take us over. Do you get the combination here? That is why people are so frustrated here. That's why we're so frustrated about this. It's not about the cops who do the wrong thing. We all agree, get rid of them. They are far and few between. And I'm sorry, Malcolm, out loud. When it comes to the FBI, it's the same thing. That was the greatest law enforcement agency in the world. And because of politics at the top end, not the agents. See, there's a couple of agents that are idiots, that are political, both ways. Of course there are. Every, every place has them. But the great majority of our FBI agents are good and decent law enforcement officers who work for a federal law enforcement agency, the FBI. It's the political class that has politicized, polluted, and corrupted how that power, remember, who gave them that power? You and me. We demanded laws and enforcement people to enforce them so we can live how? Come on, let's all repeat it. Good and decent, chaotic, free lives, right? Because we have demanded all that, they go out and do it. Now they've politicized that power. If they don't like you, they'll come after you. They'll come after you now. And you laugh when they come after the people you don't like. That's great. You applaud that abuse of power. 
when it's against someone you don't like. But when someday it turns and it's on you, you're not going to care for it that much. You're really not. You're going to find it really unpleasant and not good. So my point here is when we defund the institutions that are here that we set up to protect us because we want to believe ridiculous things about them instead of looking at facts, this is what happens. So I hope I cleared that up for everyone. Now, the whole thing that was leading me into was limits. What are limits on our society? So is something, remember how we started out, is something, doesn't matter to me what somebody three doors down does, how they live their life, that doesn't matter, it shouldn't be, it's none of my business, that's their business. Just like what I want to do is none of their business down there. It's what I want to do, me and my family. There are personal things we cannot care about, but as a nation, there are some things we have to care about that go beyond our front door. So that's where the whole idea of we all, we all wanted to get rid of the military. Well, what if we all want to do something else? Like our education departments, the teachers that teach our children are wonderful, wonderful people. I don't know about you, but going to school with all them kids and they've got all the different things going on and different communities have different problems and you're trying to teach and you're trying to you know help these kids. They want the environment to be loving and wonderful and that the kids can learn to express themselves and, and be the best they can be. I know that these, these teachers, I see them. I see teachers all the time. I'm involved with teachers all the time. They love these kids, right? All teachers love these kids. That's why they go into this work. When it's politicized, when they say, hey, we should uh, teach kids this, that, and the other thing because that, that's what we want to do. That's a political point of view. That's a political point of view. Children need to learn this. They learn, they need to learn how to read and write well. They have to learn to read and write really well. They need to understand mathematics. They need to understand how mathematics works in their lives, how they're going to use it forever. They need to understand about history, real history, not the history we wish or not the history we want to change. I'm not opposed to adding more to what we teach about history. If we find that there are truths that were not covered, let's cover them. But let's not get rid of the other things in favor of only these new ideas. Right? But that's what they should be teaching. That's what should go on in a school. Right? Now, one thing, here's where I, it was something I've, I've, I've thought over the years. I used to say, you know, why we spend all this money on breakfast and lunch programs for schools. You know, that's the parents' responsibility. And if the parents don't have money, they should either, if somebody should help them out, the church should help them out, they can get all kinds of assistance from the state. And, they would, and that's who should take care of The school shouldn't be worried about that. They have things to do. You only got so many hours in a day. Now we got to make sure everybody has lunch, make sure everybody, and I, I never really understood it until I thought about it over time. And I said, wait a minute. If a kid goes to school hungry because they don't have food at home, they can't really learn. And sometimes not every parent is very good at taking care of the kids. And sometimes they just don't have the resources. So therefore, the kid goes to school hungry every day. That child, no matter where they come from in our country, cannot learn if they're hungry. So you know what? As a society, see, this is where outside of my door, what I believe, and then there's what's good for the country, you say to yourself, wouldn't it be better if 
We made sure that everyone in school, every child in school, has a full belly, is healthy, and can learn. Because if they're hungry, they're not going to be able to learn. And if they don't learn, they cannot become the next people that take over our society. So therefore, I am not opposed to the lunch programs. Because I understand not everybody has resources. Not everyone can do the right thing. Not, every, not everyone is in the right mental state to do the right thing for their kids. So in there, we can have a lunch program. Give out the sandwiches. Give out the, uh, give out the breakfast so that the kids are not hungry and they're healthier. Because we have to understand there's lots of different situations in our country. Not all of them are good, uh, either personally, because some people are just not good personally. Other words, situations, they're drug addicted, maybe have alcoholism or mental issues. Who knows? Now, Miss Kathy worked in a school district here in New Jersey. And she said she would be appalled because there was, there was a lot of uh, poor children in the district and they all got free breakfast and free lunch, right? Because they want to make sure the kids have food. And she said the kids would come up and they would get the breakfast, a, a, an egg sandwich, a piece of fruit, uh, a cupcake, and a, and a glass of milk or whatever, uh, you know, the, the little box of milk. And the kids would walk down the line and dump the entire breakfast in the garbage except for like the cookie, if there was a cookie or if there was a donut or something. They would dump the rest of the brand new food right in the garbage. Same thing at lunch. They would go along and they would eat, you know, oh, I'll, eat, uh, I'll eat a piece of this fruit and, uh, you know, that turkey sandwich. I, they'd throw it all in the garbage. She said at the end of the day, of all the kids that were getting the free food, they were just dumping most of it. Now, how is that helping the kids? How is that helping the kids? I don't know. It's, it's wasting a lot of people's money, money that could be used for other things to help those kids. Right? But do we monitor these programs? Do we even pay attention? Where is our limit? Where is our limit for looking at this and saying, it was an idea we thought was going to be good, and maybe it's not working right. We need to fix it. We need to change it maybe. Maybe we have a, uh, we have a, a lunch station where people can come up and they can pick what they want. Right? And we don't have donuts for breakfast. Maybe we just have good food. I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing here. I'm trying to figure based on real life experience, right? Not everyone takes advantage of it. They take advantage of it and they throw it away and the kids don't want that stuff. Now, I suppose if a child is really hungry and has nothing, they would probably eat the egg sandwich, right? I'm going to suppose that. I would hope that. But the bottom line is we, we, we have no limits on things in our, in our minds anymore. There's no limits to uh, everything goes. And is everything goes not in my house, because that's not how I want to live. If that's how you want to live behind your closed doors, that's fine. But as a society, does living with no limits on anything, whatever you want to do, do it, does that help us as a society? Defund the military. Defund the police. No laws. Just everybody do what they want. Is that really going to work out for us in the long run? That's my point about asking limits. Do we have limits? When we have a, a tolerance, right? Tolerance is good. We want to be a tolerant people. Like I said, ideas we never thought of before or things we, dis we rejected in the past. Now, now we look at it. Now we get to know the people. We get to know what they're about. Maybe we see beyond our own fears, our own biases or whatever and say, well, it's not what I thought it was. So let me rethink it. But how far do we take governor off, that limit off. How far do we go? And we're starting to see some laws catching up with that. And we'll talk more about that when we come back in a minute with more Chasing Justice here on the America Out Loud Radio Network.
Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. All right, my friends, we are back. One of the things you don't want to limit is your health. You don't want to limit your health. You want to make sure you stay as healthy as you possibly can. So I'm going to tell you about Healthy Cell. Now, I mentioned it before. I've talked about it. I tell you I use it. There is a physical difference in how I feel. i got to tell you right now. I lost 35 pounds, right? Uh, Did I I increase my my, uh, output of physical activity? I did. Did I decrease the amount of stuff I was cramming down my throat? I did. But you know what? I've been taking the Healthy Cell Immune Boost regularly for quite a while now. I don't get the colds I used to get. I don't get sick like I used to get. And I'm down 35 pounds. I feel better. I feel stronger. And yes, I'm going to attribute it to the, to the stuff in the Healthy Cell. It's uh, the Immune Boost. It's pretty good. So they make a lot of things. They make a focus factor to help you think clearer. Now, I think pretty clear. But uh, you know what? I'm... I'm I really want to start taking it. I have to, I have to, I ordered it and it arrived and now I want to start taking it and see if it makes any, could you imagine me being any smarter? Holy moly. Of course, I'm teasing. I'm teasing out there, everybody. Remember how Rush used to say that, tie his hand behind his, tie his, half his brain behind his back. I used to love that. That was pretty funny. So th- my point is, is that this healthy cell, uh, these products, they really do work. Uh, I've experienced them and they make a, they make a sleep product also. If so you're having trouble sleeping, Give it a try. What do you have to lose other than a sleepless night? Right? See how that works out? All right. So listen, Healthy Cell Immune Boost is what I take all the time. I feel better. And I'm telling you, uh, give it a try if you're looking to keep yourself healthy and fight off, you know, COVID-20, which is, you know, it's coming. It's almost election time, right? All right. 
So we were talking about limits before. We were talking about limits before, and what what are the limits on society? So in our past, you know, and I'm pontificating here a little bit about this. In our past, we had certain beliefs that were inappropriate. Right? We all know what those 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 are. Right? We had our beliefs that were inappropriate. And over time, we've realized we should change that belief because that's not good. We learned. We became enlightened. We saw people. We met people. Right? But what I'm seeing now, um, and I have to tell you, I. I, I don't care who loves who. Uh, I think more love in the world is better. Um, I know this is sometimes controversial to, to people who are more conservative, but I don't care who you love. You love somebody, it doesn't affect me. This is one of those things, guy, guy, guy down the block uh, gets married. I don't care who he marries. Woman around the corner, married. I don't care who she marries. She's in love, let him get married. I, 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 I don't, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't hurt me, right? Whether they're right or wrong with God, I don't know. I don't speak for God. You know, that's that's up for God's. That's up for them and their God, but I don't care who people love. I think the more love in the world, the better. And I know some wonderful people that are absolutely in love with each other and they're happy to be together. So, what doesn't affect Joe in Joe's house, right? Uh, so I, I I have no no concern over that. I think it's fine. But when we started to look at the idea of of people getting into relationships that were different than the standard relationship. There was a concern, be the slippery slope, be the slippery slope. And you say, eh, you know, I, I understand that kind of concept. I don't know if it's always correct. But now we're seeing that uh, some of these new laws that are coming out are saying, yes, uh, gay marriage is perfectly okay. You can't stop it. Not that I know anybody in any community now who's, who would try and stop it. I know there are some people out there who are against it. But they are no longer the majority of the country. And I think for the most part, most people have been very tolerant and have changed their beliefs and said, you know what? It doesn't matter who loves who. It doesn't affect me. So that's okay. We have moved forward as a society. I think that's a good thing. People are happier. Good. Let them be happy. That's, that's what we all want to be happy, right? But I saw in some of these laws the other day, they said, we are specifically going to prohibit polygamy. You know, having more than one person in a relationship. Now, the tolerance part was it used to be a man and a woman. Now it can be a man and a man, woman and a woman. doesn't matter. But these laws, even some of our friends on the left, are coming down with these absolutely no to polygamy. Well, why no? Why, why would you say no to polygamy? If people can marry whoever they want, think of it logically. So what? So two guys and one girl want to be a married couple. Or, well, I don't know what you're calling them. A thruple? Right? A thruple. So uh, two girls and one guy. Three girls. Three guys want to get married. Where is, the, where is the limit that you draw? And why would you draw any limit? Right? And this is, where, this is where people have said, you know, oh, that's the slippery slope. Well, what, what's that lead to? Okay, now four people are married. Five people are married. What difference does that make? Um, well, the difference is it might not affect you in your house. You might have two doors down, um, seven people who are now legally married. They're a polygamous relationship. And they're wonderful people. They're having a wonderful life. It's their life. This doesn't affect you. But would it affect society? How would it affect society? Well, I don't know. It's, it's the next logical step. Wouldn't it be, right? If two men can get married, two women can get married, how come two men and a woman can't get married? Or three guys or three girls can't get married? Why not? 
Who's to say that can't happen? Why, why wouldn't you be more tolerant and go, well, that's the lifestyle they want to live? Because some people, I think, have a concern that there could be a bigger problem if you have that many people. In a, right now, we know two people, it's hard to stay married. They end up going at each other. Divorce is horrible. The kids are all separated. Why would you say no? Why would there be a limit on what we do with people getting married? If we've been so tolerant up to this point, why would we not say polygamy is okay? Right? Why can't somebody... And this, this is where I, I'm getting... I don't want to say... Um, I'm trying to make a point by going to the next level and saying, well, what if somebody said, um, that's great, but I want to, uh, I want to marry, uh, I want to marry my chipmunk. You'd say, oh, now that's ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? To me, it's not ridiculous. I love my chipmunk. I want to marry my chipmunk. My chipmunk and I are very affectionate and I think uh, it would be a wonderful relationship for me and my chipmunk. Well, there is a point that people will pull out limits, won't they? So before when people said, no, you can't have gay marriage, they said, no, 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 you can't do that. We, we're going to let that happen. Okay. Worked out okay, I think. I think it worked out fine. I don't see any problem with it. What's the next with polygamy? Why is polygamy? They, they want to get married. They Four people want to get married. Why can't they? Oh, suddenly, suddenly now there are limits. Well, why? Well, because people think mm, that might cause... I don't know what the problems would be. I don't know. Maybe you got seven people married. One person is working. Now you have health care. A company has to pay health care for seven people instead of just two. I don't know. Uh, could that be the problem? My point is, is not the specifics of it. I'm only using that as an example. But when we have limits, there's usually a societal reason to have limits. Right? So when we look at the bail question, right? all, all these states going to no bail... There'd be no bail for anybody anymore. Why did we have bail? To imprison people that we don't like. No. Because we understand that in reality, when you look at statistics, truths, you probably got about 30% of the people who commit most of the crime. And they commit crime over and over and over and over again. So when you arrest them and you put a bail on them to make sure they don't get back out and keep committing crimes until their trial, where they can be held to account, then you see crime go down. When you just let criminals out and there is no penalty for the criminal because you feel bad for the criminal because criminals have been put in jail and people have been, never, whatever the reason, when you let them back out, they go out and victimize you again. The guy who killed the young jogger, Eliza, he was also charged recently with a previous kidnap and rape from a year ago that apparently they couldn't catch up with him. So here's a guy that, like, and he was in prison for 20 years for kidnapping a prosecutor. So what, is, what does this guy tell you about himself? That he's really just a good guy, and if the cops would leave him alone, he would be a good guy. Or is he a dangerous, evil person that preys on people? Now, you might say, personally, he's probably a great guy. He just can't help himself kidnapping, raping, and murdering people. Where's your mirror? Look in your mirror. What the hell is wrong with me if I think that? He is a dangerous person who has told us all, I am dangerous, and if you don't do something with me, I'm going to do something with you. And he just did it again. He killed a young woman, took a mother, a wife, uh, a daughter away from their family for no reason other than he wanted to do it. So the limits we put on the behavior 
of people who are antisocial criminals is to arrest them and take them away from the rest of us so they can't hurt me, my family, or you and your family. Imagine somebody breaking into your basement when you're down there in your underwear taking notes about what Lieutenant Joe says, and you got some evil, horrible person who decides they want to break into your basement, they want to steal your notepad, rape you while they're there, and maybe kill you. Gee, would that seem like a good idea? No. Once people have notified us as a society that they are dangerous, we hold them to account, we don't let them hurt us, we arrest them, and we take them off the street. Now, I've said here many, many times that I think there is room for bail reform. There absolutely is. Because I'll tell you right now, uh, that killer, that rapist, that um, kidnapper, his bail was originally $500,000. If he could have found a bail bondsman and had access to $50,000, he could have bailed out. Right? So this, the little secret we have here is that bail is meant to make sure you have, um, you have an interest in coming to court. So you might have to put up $100,000. You might have to put up your house as, as collateral, and then you get bailed out. Because if you put up your house, you want your house back. So you're probably going to hang around. You'll go to court. You'll go to trial. You'll see how it works out. But if you had nothing to hold you to that, you probably would take off and then you'd be somewhere else and you, we wouldn't be able to hold you to account. You'd be victimizing people elsewhere. The reason we need bail reform is I think uh, the reality is some people would have access to $50,000 like it was no problem and they would get out of jail and they could, if they're bad, they can come out keep brutalizing people. If you are a person without any income, you're not going to find 50000 and you're going to get stuck in jail. Now, when it comes to violent crime, comes to violent crime, I would say, uh, you know, it's got to be, uh, if it's murder, $3 million cash, cash bail, or you don't get out. Um, when it comes to, you know, uh, lesser crimes, I can see a shoplifting person. The first time, no bail, you're shoplifted. Okay, people make mistakes, young people make mistakes, some people make mistakes, they do things. No bail, the first time. You shoplift the second time, $50,000 bail. Now you're not going to shoplift anymore. See, because then there's, a, there's an incentive for you not to do it. You Do I want to steal that $2 bracelet? And this is the second time I get caught. And I'm going to sit in jail for six months before I end up uh, going to trial and found guilty. No. So that's why we do this. But for minor things, people without money end up sitting in jail. And that's not right. I, I do agree with that. But when it comes to violence, anything violent... If you've committed a violent crime, my opinion is that you should be sitting in jail until you come to trial. Because if not, if you're part of that 30% that commits the crime over and over and over again, you're going to get out and commit more crime. How many people do we see every day that murder somebody? Go, he was out on bail from uh, six weeks ago. Uh, he was out with no bail and he killed four other people. He was out on bail uh, with no bail and he raped three more women. When do we put a limit on this? When do we put a limit on this kind of antisocial negative behavior? When do we as a people sit back and agree and go, okay, the idea is that poor people get stuck in jail and people with money don't. That's not right. I agree with that, 100%. So how do we reform the system? Well, let's look at the things that people end up sitting in jail for three months, two months. You know, I saw it all the time. People get arrested for things. You take them to the jail, and even if their bail was... 
they don't have a thousand for a bail bondsman to get out because that's what you do customarily you put up 10 percent uh equity or cash on your bond and you get out so if it's fifty thousand, you put five and you get out well a lot of people don't have five thousand laying around and they might have done something uh, economic crime stupid they might have done a shoplifting they might have minor types of things and they end up sitting in jail and that's not right when other people just happen to have it and uh you know they get themselves right out so there yeah there is room for reform but anything violent should not be um people who commit violence have got to be held to account and and of course there's always gray area there isn't there right so if lieutenant joe is here at my house and somebody breaks into my basement to steal my notepad um and they come after me and i uh, protect myself and use deadly force and take them out there could be a prosecutor out there that could say well you never should have done that lieutenant joe you could have ran out the bedroom window instead of protecting yourself and therefore we're going to charge you with manslaughter uh, and then I end up sitting in jail. Well, wait a minute. There has to be a judge who can look at this and say, okay, time out a second. Protecting your house, protecting yourself in your home. That person broke in, went after you. That's the consequences of breaking into somebody's house and trying to hurt them. So therefore, Lieutenant Joe, you have no bail. You can go home. And if the prosecutor is going to continue with the with the trial, uh, you go from there. But you weren't you weren't doing something purposefully violent to someone. So I used that word at the beginning of our our get-together today, purposeful, when I talked about law enforcement. Police work, like I said, goes sideways. So police officers purposefully go out to protect and serve their community. That's what they do. That's their mission. Now you encounter a citizen uh, who is uh, drunk and disorderly. And you come up to that and say, hey, citizen, you're drunk and disorderly. you got to quiet down. I'm not going to quiet down, cop. I'll do what I want. And to take a swing at the cop. All right? So now the cop arrests the person. Maybe they have to wrestle with him because the person doesn't want to be arrested. But the officer wrestles with him, handcuffs him, takes him into jail. That's one thing that happens. Other times, officers will say, excuse me, uh, you're Bill Smith. You're wanted for an aggravated sexual assault. And Bill Smith does not want to be arrested. So therefore, he runs, maybe he fights with you, maybe he produces a weapon. Now, the officer is not there to hurt Bill Smith. The officer is there to arrest Bill Smith. But the officer doesn't have to get cut, shot, stabbed, or otherwise hurt in the course of his duties to take Bill Smith into custody. Why? Because you and me have demanded laws and a law enforcement agency to enforce those laws. So the officer is permitted to use force. The officer is permitted to use more force than the bad person to overcome their force. That's the way it should be. So the officer, uh, you pull a knife, the officer pulls a gun, tells you drop the knife. You don't drop the knife, you're going to get shot. And that's what happens most of the time. The officer just killed the guy for no reason. Uh, No, the guy uh, pulled a baseball bat. The guy pulled a knife. The guy was bigger than the cop and jumped on him and tried to kill him. Right? I told you a story what almost happened to me. Right? The only way I could have got out of that, other than I got lucky and got a couple of good punches in, he was going to kill me. I was going to have to shoot him because he was going to kill me. I was starting to see stars. I was going out. I couldn't breathe. And he was purposefully choking me out. So purposefully, did the officer purposefully kill the person? I don't mean he's got a knife and I told him to drop it, so I shot him. Well, that is purposeful, but I'm talking about purposefully evil, purposefully wrong. The officer just decides, you know what? I don't like that, Lieutenant Joe, so I'm going to pull him over, and I'm going to say some things to him that are going to upset him. When he gets upset, then I'm going to shoot him. 
That would be murder, right? That would be murder. That would be purposeful killing of a human being. Murder, right? So there's a difference. And again, do we put limits? So that's our overarching theme here, limits. What are our limits that we put on things? What else can we talk about with limits? So we recently had a somber anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on America. Now, prior to 9-11, we could all get on an airplane. We can carry a pocket knife. We can carry three ounces of soda. We could bring our own water on the airplane. And then after 9-11, we realized, uh-oh, we really have to put limits on what we allow people to bring on the airplane because once you're on that airplane, you're isolated. And if you're of a mind to, maybe you could take it over. You could hurt people. So we've got to put some limits on what we allow people to do. Now, the purpose for the limits there is to protect us, isn't it? Isn't that really what it is? Isn't that why we pull grandma out of the line and we search grandma in a wheelchair to make sure she doesn't have a bomb shoved up her skirt to blow up the airplane, right? Well, we put limits on law enforcement then. We said, listen, uh, we could certainly uh, try and figure out who would try and hurt us, uh, and we could certainly identify those people in advance. We could interview people. Uh, at the airport, we could see where they're going, see how they're, if they're being deceptive, and then maybe they have to be uh, looked at a little closer. But we're going to limit the law enforcement people to making those decisions. So we're going to say uh, every third old lady gets pulled out of line, uh, gets pulled out of the wheelchair, and we'll uh, make sure she doesn't have a bomb because we really want to look at Harry over there who doesn't have a pretty good idea of where he's going. He seems a little suspicious. He has a history of violence, and we really want to look at him. So we're going to limit what it looks like as opposed to doing the right thing, right? So limits can help us, and they can hurt us. So we, we limit law enforcement. The lessons learned from 9-11 is that we probably should have had some kind of screening in place for weapons. Who would ever think box cutters would take over a plane and almost destroy New York City? But that's really what it came down to. So the limits that we have, uh, we have to limit our freedom. One of the things we talk about in security, to enhance security, you have to limit convenience a little bit. Otherwise, it doesn't work out. You can't say we're going to search people and then have it not take longer to get on the airplane. The opposite is no limit. Everybody just get on and we'll take our best shot at who, who doesn't bring a weapon on the airplane, right? We're not willing to do that anymore. So we put up with the line, the TSA line, and we sit there and we go through it and we throw our waters away and we have to buy a $9 bottle of water on the other side. Oh, isn't that funny? Right? Isn't that funny? You throw your water away um, because, you know, and then you want water on the other side. Well, you got to buy it. It's nine bucks. There's a little bit there I don't care for. But anyway. I'm getting lost here. The, the whole idea, the lessons of 9-11 is that we had to limit some of our freedoms to keep us safe. Okay? Laws are limits on our behavior, aren't they? Laws are limits on our behavior. You can't drunk drive. Why? Because I don't want you crashing into me or my family and killing us because you decided to drink unlimited. So we have laws. Laws limit our behavior for everyone's safety. And at times they're good and sometimes they're bad. Right, so the lessons of 9-11 is we had to increase what we were doing there. Okay? Now, have we gone too far? Have we gone too far searching old ladies, little children? Have we had any people who have taken over airplanes or committed terrorist acts 90 years old with a bomb up their skirt? Has that happened before? Lieutenant Joe, it could happen. Somebody could be really against America and decide to do it. Yeah, they could. They could. 
But we could certainly take a lesson from El Al Airlines, who uh, basically has never had a hijacking. And what they do is they interview people in line. They have agents that go up and interview people. They're professional interviewers. And they interview people, and they identify potentially suspicious people. Then they isolate them. They check their bags. They don't inconvenience everybody, right? So that's one limit they have put on how they're going to do things. So limits are, are important. Our open borders. Now, the limits to unbridled uh, immigration are borders. Every nation is defined by its borders. We put a limit on how many people can come into the country. Not who can go. Every American wants to leave. They can get out. Every single person wants to get on an airplane, a boat, walk across the border. They can go. We are a freedom country. We don't keep you in like many of our communist socialist friends do when they realize people don't want to be here and we need them for labor, we need them for their money, and you cannot leave, right? Um, they put limits on you leaving, right? But in America, we don't. We put limits on who comes in. For what reason? Because we're evil, horrible, racist people. And we don't want people here. That's not it at all. Not it at all. It's what you want to believe. That might be what you want to believe. You might want to believe that so it fits your, your narrative of the world, your view of the, what to prove to yourself that you're right. These people are racist. There's no one people here. Um, no. We need immigration. Immigration is good for America. But like I've said a hundred times before, we have to control who's coming in. How many people can we afford to have in and just go live and, and, and go to community schools that don't have the money for extra people, don't have the medical care for people, the towns have to pay for it, uh, the, the crime that is committed. Oh, my God, Lieutenant Joseph, they commit crimes. Not everybody. Lots of them do. We've caught over 55 people on the terrorist watch list coming into the country in this unbridled immigration. Now, if we caught 55, how many do you think we didn't catch? How many you think got in, right? So they said right now, two million people. Chuck Todd said this the other day to the vice president. We're going to have two million people come in. The first time ever, we had two million people come in the country. And, you know, the uh, Border Patrol will tell you there's about 800,000 to a million getaways. Those are people that got away. We didn't get a chance to thoroughly vet them as they're vetted at the border and then put on buses and trains and airplanes and shipped all over the country. There's about a million people. So if out of the two million that came in, we found 55 terrorists, statistically, 25 more terrorists came in and we didn't catch them, right? Now that could be 25, could be nine, could be 100 because we don't have a limit on the immigration. Why? For good common sense? No because it suits the political agenda of some people. So therefore, no matter where you sit, up in the living room, like I do, or down in the basement in your underwear taking notes about Lieutenant Joe, it doesn't matter where you live. If you happen to be in a place where one of those terrorists decides to attack us, you or your family could die. You see, that's why there has to be limits. Not because you hate people. You don't want people here. That's not it. That's your argument. That's your self-fulfilling argument to prove your twisted point of view. Right? That's your twisted point of view. Are there some people who don't want people coming in from other parts of the world? Sure they are. Absolutely. They're small in number compared to the people who, I don't care, as long as you do the right thing, you're a good person. You want to come here and help the country. You want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. If you're one of those people, I don't care where you come from. I don't care about the color of your skin. I don't care who you love. Come on in. Do good for our country. Be a citizen. It'll be wonderful, right? We'll all work together for a better country. 
But we don't put those limits on for political reasons. We put them on and endanger everyone by doing that. We, we say, well, look at how good we are. We just let everybody who wants to come, come in. And I've said it a thousand times. I understand why people want to come here. Why good people from other parts of the world want to come to America. It's the greatest place in the world. I get where they want to come. I sympathize with that. I pray every day and I thank God that I was born an American. I absolutely do. For me and for my family. But that doesn't mean just because people want to come, we have to let them in. We have to look at our nation, what's good for us. Immigration is good. If we decide we need X amount of people, we need people with these kind of skills, we need people that can do this, that's going to make our nation better. We don't just open the doors and go, oh, well, everybody who wants to come gets to come because we'll be bad if we don't say that. That's not how the world really works. It's dangerous. And a world without limits is a world that's going to catch up with you. So whether it's your tolerance and then you draw lines because now, well, now, well, now you think it's wrong. Well, I say, how can you draw lines if you've undrawn the lines, right? So limits are here to help us. We have to look at each situation realistically, fairly, and understand, are we creating a limit for a good reason or a bad reason? Is the limit here to help us? Or if we don't have a limit, will it hurt us? Well, my friends, this was a, an interesting episode today, I think. I enjoyed thinking about it. That idea of what are limits and why do we have them uh, really uh, worked through here. I want you to think about it. Think about what's right and wrong. Think about how we can all get along and get over these angers and these hatreds and be America once again. Because if we don't, this is not sustainable. The limit on the time we get to be free people will arrive. This is Lieutenant Joe for Chasing Justice saying, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We'll see you next time here on the America Out Loud Radio Network.